that. What up, what up, what up, Drummer Alert Nation? I'm your host, Killer Keemstar. Let's get right into the news. <laughs> Psych. This is Logan Blackman, host of The Logan Blackman Show. And it is, we are here on this beautiful Monday on June 8th. This June 8th edition of The Logan Blackman Show. And before we dive into our talking points of today's show, right now here in Urbandale, 89 degrees and sunny. It's just a beautiful day. Just straight up. It's just a beautiful, beautiful day outside. I would just I would just recommend going and running around. Just frolic around your backyard or something. Just do just have fun. Pretty much. Just have a, a fun day. High of 92. It feels like 92 right now. There's 46% humidity. Air quality is moderate. Winds coming to the south of 14 miles an hour. There's a 20% chance of rain. It is supposed to rain pretty much all day tomorrow. So we will see what that holds. But right now, 89 degrees and sunny. And then we got a couple days in the 70s, 78, 74, Tuesday and Wednesday, then back up to the 80s, then 78, 78 to finish off your weekend on Saturday and Sunday. Rain expected to come Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll see what the rain is like, especially tomorrow, especially since it's supposed to have a 90% chance of rain pretty much the entire day. We'll see how that holds up when tomorrow actually comes. So let's, with that being said, let's just dive right in and get up what we are going to talk about today. So obviously, we got the KBO, we got the Bundesliga, we didn't even get to that on Friday, if my memory serves me correctly, and we we got to go over scores. We got to go over scores. The Liga, La Liga in Spain is coming back this Friday, so we will go over that, and we will have our tier list for Friday Funday, La Liga tier list this Friday, so that'll be really fun. The return of five dumbest, top five dumbest things an organization has ever done. We do this every other week. I So if you listen to the show and go like, oh, Logan didn't do this, even though he said he was going to do it, it's every other week now. Because as of right now, it has been every other week. So why not just keep it the same thing? Because you're going on something that's been working out beautifully for so long. So, so far, we've done the Cleveland Browns. We did the New York Jets. This week, I am probably going to do the Chicago Bears. I think the Chicago Bears will be a very, very fun team to do the New Orleans Saints are also a team that could be up there or the Buffalo Bills are another team that could easily get mentioned up there in top five dumbest things an organization has ever done teams like the Baltimore Ravens who have been around for 20 years that have won two Super Bowls in 20 years they're not really going to be mentioned in these things so everything they've done has been pretty much great nothing short of fantastic they've drafted really well they've had very good players throughout their history They've had great people in the front office, great head coaches. Like, there's so many things the Baltimore Ravens have done that may, will make sure they will never be on this list. And I don't know what they could do to get them on the list. Because look at what they've done. They drafted Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis in the same freaking draft. They, dra- they traded back into the first round, got Lamar Jackson, completely changing the facet of their franchise. Going from Joe Flacco, though elite is not that mobile, surprisingly. Contrary to popular belief, he's not that mobile. And switching up the entire system for Lamar Jackson. Like, there's so many things the Baltimore Ravens have done throughout their history that makes them one of the greatest franchises ever. Even leaving Cleveland. Look at it, right after they left Cleveland. I think two years after they left Cleveland, they won a freaking Super Bowl. Or no, five years, five years. I think 2000 was when they won the Super Bowl. With Trent... Dilfer, arguably the greatest decision they ever made in their franchise history was getting Trent Dilfer to replace Tony Banks. <laughs> Love Trent Dilfer. 
love trying to love the Patriots. We have to exclude everything from the 2000s. So they will never, probably never be on the list, but they're nine, like they're, <laughs> their 20th century stuff is pretty great. My dad used to always tell me this. He was like, Logan, your generation will never understand how bad the New England Patriots were. They were the laughing stock of the NFL. They were terrible. Drafted Tony Eason, went to one Super Bowl. Other than, oh, I, well, discounting the one with Drew Bledsoe, that's closer to the 2000s, but the, the all the way up until that point with Drew Bledsoe, they were terrible. <laughs> they were awful. Always have been awful. But ever since Tom Brady got drafted, they've been one of the greatest, if not the greatest dynasty in American football ever. Pittsburgh Steelers have had three coaches their entire history. They're not going to be mentioned on this five dumbest things list, probably. The 49ers could be mentioned on this dumbest list, though, even though they are one of the greatest dynasties and one of the greatest teams in the NFL. But they've done some dumb things throughout their history to be mentioned on this list. But we will return this on Friday. We will decide between the Saints, Bills, Brayers, Colts could be on this list as well. There's so many teams we could do on this list, but it's that's what makes it fun. Every other week, every other Friday, we will be doing this. And I hope you enjoy it because I enjoy making fun of teams as much as the next guy. But that's for Friday. For today, we also got some MLB stuff to talk about. We haven't talked about the MLB in a fat minute, so we'll get back to that. We'll go over my power rankings of the MLB teams, the top 30 teams in the NFL. We also got some college football stuff to talk about. And I wanted to do this. I didn't, I've never done this before, but I'm going to look at the rankings of last season's AP top 25, the final AP top 25 and say, yay or nay for if that team will finish in that spot or around that spot this next season, it should be really fun. We'll analyze each team and do all that kind of stuff. So let's just dive right in to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman show. And with that, Let's just look at some KBO scores. The Korean Baseball Organization League is what ESPN calls it. The KBO League, which makes zero sense. It's like MLSsoccer.com. Major League Soccer, Soccer.com. Think about it. I've always, <laughs> it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Major League Soccer, Soccer.com. Why? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Why are we doing this? I don't know. I didn't make the website, and they've got people way smarter than me running that kind of stuff. So I'm not going to get involved in that kind of garbage. But let's go over some KBO scores. We didn't look at anything for Friday, so we'll have to look at Thursday's action as well. So going back to Thursday, we had some high-scoring games and a couple blowouts on Thursday. He won beat Hanwa 7-3. Doosan beat KT 14-8. The NC Dinos beat SK 10-0. Nice little zero right there for SK. Kia beat Lote 7-3. And LG, another big fat O, beat Samsung 11-0. Two dominating performance from the two best teams in the league. NC and LG both dominating their two games. Let's look at those two games on Thursday. For the NC Dinos, they got four runs in the sixth inning and just kind of coasted for the rest of the game. This is a nice little coast there about the nc downs 20 and 6 it's a very it's a very nice record in the game yang wuji five rbis one hit <laughs> first off how does that happen <laughs> that doesn't make any sense 
He had one hit in the game. Five RBIs. RBIs, for those don't you don't know, runs batted in. It is impossible to bat in five runs because there's only three bases plus yourself. So the max you can do is four off of one hit. How the hell <laughs> did he get five RBIs off one hit? He had a walk in this game. He scored a run. But where does the five RBI? It is impossible to get five RBIs off one hit. It is impossible. I don't care what you said. That is impossible. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> you know, little sense that makes. Jeez. Quan He Dong had zero hits, but had four walks in the game. He walked four times. How is that possible? <laughs> what was going through SK in this game to not only allow five RBIs off one hit, but walk the same batter four times? Did he just duck the ball? Was he like taking notes from the bench warmers? Was he not just didn't want to swing the ball, swing the bat? Like what was the <laughs> what was the point of this game? I want to look at SK's pitcher stats. Kim Taehoon, five innings or three and a third innings pitched. Five hits, seven and runs, four walks, zero strikeouts. In the game, <laughs> SK had 10 walks between the three pitchers and three strikeouts. This couldn't have really been a worse game for <laughs> SK than that one. That is just an atrocious game for SK. For the LG Twins, they ended the game early. Two, four, and five runs were scored in the second, third, and fifth, second, third, fourth inning. Just an overall dominating performance by the LG Twins. There's nothing too spectacular to say about this. Uh, UK Nam, three hits, four RBIs in the game. Uh, very impressive stuff. Young Chan Hong, Hyung, seven innings pitched, three hits, two walks. Oh, that's pretty good. 11 strikeouts for Young Chan Hyung. 11 strikeouts. As we said the last time, SK had 10 walks <laughs> the last game. He had 11 strikeouts. That's impressive stuff. 11 runs, 11 strikeouts for him. For Byak Jung Hyun, <laughs> complete opposite. 14 hits given up in four innings. <laughs> How? How is that possible? <laughs> 14. If you're a manager, how do you sit there and watch your starting pitcher give up 14 hits in four innings? Now, granted, he didn't walk anybody. So... That's impressive stuff. <laughs> he didn't walk a single person in the game. He had three strikeouts. That's impressive stuff. But 14. Good Lord. He just. Yeah. They were just had teeing off on him. It's like he just laid the ball on a tee for him. And it's kind of crazy to look at this. Because LG lost their next game. Not to Samsung. But to Kiwoom. And SK played Samsung. In that game. The battle of the two teams. They didn't score a single run the last time they played. SK won 4-1. Doosan beat Kia 5-1. Lowe beat KT 6-4. Hanwha lost. Ha, you thought I was going to say they won. Lost 13-2 to the NC Dinos. And then, of course, the LG Twins lost to Kiwum 6-3. The NC Dinos, 17 hits in the game, 13 runs. They're just on a tear. Nasung Bum, four RBIs off three hits in the game, scored two runs himself and walked in the game. Uh, Kang Jin Sung, three RBIs off two hits in the game. Aaron Altier. Uh, two hits, two RBIs for the former Philadelphia Phillies man. 
And Mike Wright, the starting pitcher for the NC Dinos, six innings, two hits, seven strikeouts, but four walks. But we don't need to we don't need to talk about that. We don't really need to talk about that. Starting pitcher for uh Hanwa, I almost forgot what team they were. Zhang Si Huan, three innings pitched, seven hits, four earned runs, three walks, three strikeouts. Three innings. Jeez. That's not that's not great. My Doosan Bears beating Kia five to one. Nice little uh, nice little display from the Doosan Bears. Lee Young Ha. Seven strikeouts, four walks, and six innings pitched. Gave up two hits, no earned runs on the game for him. Five to one victory for the Doosan Bears. Moving on to Saturday, Doosan beat Kia four to three. Wait. Yeah, okay, I was I was right. Four to three. NC beat Hanwa fourteen to two. SK beat Samsung. 6 to 4, LG lost again to Kiwoom 5 to 4 and Lote beat KT 1 to 0. So if you look at NC Dino's last 3 games, they scored 10, 13 and 14. They scored a grand total of 37 runs in 3 days. That is insane. 10, 13 and 14 in 3 games, they scored 37 runs. Outscored their opponents 37 to 4. How insane is that? And in this game, a 14-run demolition over Hanwa. Hanwa had 11 hits, but only managed to capitalize on two runs. NC Dinos were only up 8-2 going into the ninth inning. And then they launched six runs against Hanwa in the ninth inning. Goodness gracious. No Jin Hyuk, three RBIs off two hits in the game. For him, Ji Suk Hoon, three RBIs off one hit. Just a, another dominating performance. Coach Chang Mo, six strikeouts, eight hits, and six innings pitch. Only had one earned run given up the entire game for him. And no walks in the game. No walks for the NC Dinos in this game, which is very rare to see in the KBO. Chad Bell, the starting pitcher for the opponents, seven hits, seven earned runs, two walks, and three strikeouts. For Chad Bell. Just a disappointing performance for Hanwa. And in the ninth inning, Jung Woo Ram, three hits, four earned runs, and a strikeout. Just not a not a great performance. They had three pitchers coming in the ninth inning. All of them gave up a run. It's very disappointing stuff from Hanwa. Do some Bears again. Four to three victors over Kia. Nice little win there. 18 and 10 is the Doosan Bears record. This season, which is, I believe, is the third best record in the league. I haven't looked at the standings yet, but a nice little performance there. And then yesterday, we had some action. Doosan sweeping Kia 3-2. to Samsung beating SK 3-0. LG finally getting a win over Kiwoom 8-1. to NC beating Hanwa 8-2. And Lode beating KT 5-2. to LG finally getting rid of the, avoiding the sweep against Kiwoom. 8-1 was, 8-1 was the final score in this game, Yu Kang Nam, two RBIs off of three hits in the game for the LG Twins. Cha Wu Chan, six hits, five strikeouts, five walks in the game. No earned runs given up for him. LG now 18 and 11 on the season. The Doosan Bears 19 and 10 have retaken the second best spot in the league. And LG, or not LG, and the Doosan Bears with that second best record in the league will be taking on the best team in the league, the 23-6 NC Dinos, tomorrow morning. 
So that will be a very, very fun matchup. It is at the NC Dinos. So do someone have to bring their best stuff. That game will be at 4.30 tomorrow morning. So I would very much recommend watching that game. The LG Twins are taking on SK, who is 10-19 on the season. Just lost and couldn't get the sweep over the Samsung Lions. See if the LG Twins can bounce back after a 1-2 series loss in their last series against Kiwoom. Other games going on tomorrow. Kia is taking on KT. Kiwoom taking on Samsung and Hanwa is taking on Loton. The aforementioned Doosan is taking on NC, and SK is taking on the LG Twins. Then we got games on Wednesday, same exact series. We will not see these new teams playing each other until Friday. So look forward to all of those matches going up in the KBO. Looking at the standings right now for the KBO, the NC Dinos currently sit on top of the league with a 23-6 record, 79.3 win percentage. That is impressive stuff. The Doosan Bears sit second at 19 and 10. LG Twins sit third at 18 and 11. Kiwoom fourth with 17 and 13. Kia 500, 15 and 15 on the season. Low just below 500 at 14 and 15. Samsung is 13 and 17. KT 11 and 18. SK 10 and 19. And then Hanwa sitting dead last in the league. 16 and a half games behind the NC Dinos at 7 and 23. That is not where you want to be. <laughs> that is not That is not great. That is not great, but I'm very excited for the Doosan Bears versus the NC Dinos matchup. And keeping on the topic of baseball, uh, the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, 30 for 30, is coming out next Sunday. So I would very much recommend everyone to go and watch the Mark McGuire versus Sammy Sosa home run battle, the cleanest home run battle of all time. <laughs> The cleanest home run battle. Long Gone Summer premieres June 14th on ESPN. Sosa, McGuire, my favorite baseball player of all time, Sammy Sosa, meant so much to me as a young Cubs fan. That was my freaking nickname in Little League Baseball. You can ask anybody I played with. They called me Sammy Sosa. I played for the Orioles. At that time, Sammy Sosa was just moving to the Baltimore Orioles. So, that it fit. It fit. And I was a Cubs fan. My first baseball jersey I ever got was a Sammy Sosa jersey that my mom got for me at Von Mauer in Des Moines. It is, I don't have any, I don't know where the jersey is, but that was the hottest jersey of all freaking time. That thing made you feel like you were a thousand degrees sitting in just, a, sitting in front of a fan. It wouldn't cool you down because of how thick that freaking jersey was. But I love that jersey. My first baseball jersey I've ever had now I've got a few baseball jerseys. I got a Rizzo jersey. I got two Rizzo jerseys actually. One is the older material, so it's thick, like the Sammy Sosa jersey I was talking about. And then my dad got me one because he didn't realize I had a Anthony Rizzo jersey that is thinner, which is better. And then I got a Javier Baez jersey when I was working at the I Cubs because I had uh, an employee discount, so I was like, I got to take advantage of get, and get a Javi Baez jersey. Now I'm in the process of getting a Kyle Schwarber jersey. Eventually, we will get there. I have a beautiful, beautiful Kyle Schwarber shirt. It's got thousands of his face on one shirt. It is a beautiful shirt. If you haven't seen it, whew, you need to see it. I posted on my, it's on my Instagram with my, I think I'm wearing a Javi Baez jersey. So you can barely see it, but it's still there. It's beautiful. I love my, my uh, Kyle Schwarber shirt. It's my, one of my favorite shirts I own. I wore that on the first day I ever did the mobile camera at the Iowa Cubs. 
First time I ever had that. <laughs> I wore that shirt. It was awesome. But it sucked because the shirt is super thin, which is guys positives and negatives. But the fact that it being thin and it being during the summer made me get sunburnt through the shirt. And I when I say thin, you can see through the shirt if you like put your finger and point like you know in those cartoons where people are like, Oh, I got a gun! I got a gun! But it's just their hand through their shirt. If you did that in this shirt, you could see most of your finger sticking out. That's how thin this shirt is, but it's beautiful, and I love it because it's got Kyle Schwarber's face on it. And little side note, not a, just on the topic of high-end fashion, I was going to do this a few years ago, but I finally did it. Finally, I did it. I bought myself a pair of Heelys. <laughs> I wanted these shoes so bad when I was younger, and I never got them because my parents thought I'd get hurt. And fair enough. I didn't really do a lot to not make them believe I wouldn't get hurt because <laughs> I hurt a lot when I was younger. I did a lot of really stupid things. They always called me AP, not Adrian Peterson, more of an accident-prone child than anything else. If you know me, you know all my injury history. If you don't, I'm not going to sit here and explain all of it because I could write a book on it. But the Heelys were something that I wanted to get. And we had a friend. I had a kid at my church. I don't know if I'd call him my friend or not, but he – he had Heelys and we were at church camp and they had this thing called the golden sombrero that if you stole it from somebody, the other people got a, you could throw those people in the pool and I stole it one time. And so we were having it at this place. You had go-karting. It's the only church camp we ever had go-karting in. And we were there and dude was standing there and he got the hat ripped off his head, which the person couldn't be touching it. That was like the safety net for the person. You couldn't, the person could not be touching it. You, they, they just had to be around. You couldn't be touching it. And he got ripped off his head as we were walking up to this person that stole the hat. He kicked back on his heels and rolled towards <laughs> Imagine you're sitting there and you see a group of like, I don't know, fifth graders roll up. And the kid that's leading the charts is rolling up to you, like literally rolling up to you on Heelys. Imagine that. Just picture that. Close your eyes. Just like when people are run, like when you see a fight breaking out. Imagine one of them <laughs> just rolling up to the other to the fight on Heelys. Imagine that. Please just close your eyes and imagine that. So I have invested in a pair of Heelys. So you will see a video or two with me rolling around Des Moines with some Heelys on. I have a video idea that I'm going to do soon. I'm going to invest in a camera some point in the near future i'm gonna get one of my friends to film me while i'm doing a bunch of stupid stuff more of a promotional video type thing and if you watch this video and don't feel the need to go and listen to the logan blackman show i don't know what your problem is now again we're just in the idea stage i haven't told anybody what my video idea is so i'm gonna text one of my friends and say hey can you film me probably gonna get spencer because he has the easily the most experienced filming was and it's not i'm not needing some extreme and some professional shots but he would at least know what i'm looking for if i told him to do a certain thing but video coming out in what i would say the next two weeks or something i'd say it's a fair estimate for how long this movie's gonna be over. i'm gonna be wearing heelys it's gonna be freaking sick it's gonna be dope one of the sickest shots you'll ever see in your entire life if i post it on instagram i get a million likes 
That's how insane this style thing I got going on is. Also, a little another side note, I ordered two vinyls today. I got the Friday vinyl for the movie Friday, obviously, and The Chronic by Dr. Dre. I ha- I've been wanting these things for a while, and I finally invested them today because The Chronic wasn't on Amazon when, when I last checked like two days ago. So I thought I'd check again, and it was there. So I was like, oh, I got to get this. So in the past three days or so, I have gotten two classic albums and some pair of Heelys. <laughs> oh, goodness. I don't know what I'm doing half the time when I'm buying stuff. But I've been, my friend Preston and I, last year, were looking at getting Heelys. We couldn't find any, and we never, neither one of us invested in anything. But we got Crocs. So Preston and I were rolling around in Crocs. We went around Des Moines. Like, we took a day and went to a bunch of different stores in Des Moines and couldn't find Heelys. And Hobby Lobby has a sign on their door that says no Heelys, which I don't know how many people still wear Heelys, but I'm going to scroll past there and, like, flip it off or something as I'm going by. Because you can't tell me I can't wear Heelys. I'll wear Heelys wherever I want. Except in there, because that's against the rules. I don't want to break the rules. But that's the goal. <laughs> that is the goal. To rock Heelys everywhere I go. So, <laughs> let's let's actually get to what we were talking about. Not Heelys. Not Heelys. We went on fashion rants about Logan's fashion. And I, I think it's A+. I think it's A-star, as they say over in England. I think it's A-star. Like, it is perfect i have the perfect sense of fashion i know what goes together and know what doesn't i might have to wear that kyle schwarber shirt with my heelys and get oh i got harlem globetrotter shorts too oh man i am getting pictures of fashion and hotness in my head right now i am picturing myself wearing these harlem globetrotter shorts with my heelys with this kyle schwarber shirt on Oh, man. Oh, jeez. Man, this video just got even better. <laughs> and I wasn't even planning on it. Man. Perfect. Perfect. While we're on the topic of baseball, let's actually keep it on baseball. Because it, at the beginning, I was like, okay, we'll go over the Bundesliga scores and KBO scores and stuff like that. But it doesn't really make sense to go from the KBO to the Bundesliga and then back to baseball. So we're just going to stick with baseball, go from the KBO to the MLB. And the MLB's got a new uh, proposal. So get ready for this, guys, because we're probably not going to have any baseball this year. So let's just look at this and go, yeah, this is a good proposal. Yeah. New proposal, 76-game season, 10 playoff teams. Still will be finalized. The proposal has the season ending no later than October 31st. Still going to have October baseball. Uh, players would get 75% of their prorated salaries and $200 million, $200 million postseason pool for the players. You get a sick pool. $200 million for a pool is like building a water park. I know it's not what they're supposed to be, but hey, you know what? I, a man could dream. A $200 million pool? Imagine that. What would a $200 million, what would a $200 million pool even look like? I don't even have I don't even have the brain capacity to fathom what that type of pool would look like. A two hundred million dollar pool. It had to be something like Adventure Bay or something, or something even cooler than that. I don't know. Ocean, uh, Oceans of Fun is that what it's called down in Kansas City? You got Worlds of Fun and Oceans of Fun. 
be like Disney World. I don't know, $200 million. And again, I am not that stupid. I am well aware that's not the pool they're talking about. But a man can dream, can't he? $200 million pool. If I ever make it to where I can be a billionaire and just throw around millions of dollars like that, I'm going to crap on a $200 million pool because I want to see what that would look like. If that ever happens, which at the point where my life is right now, I cannot envision myself making anywhere near a billion dollars. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. $200 million for a pool. That's, uh, get Mike Trout to make me a $200 million pool. He got a big old contract. Maybe he can invest in the pool for the players. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But MLB, as we stand right now, do I believe it's going to happen? No. I think baseball needs to happen because I love baseball. Baseball is my one of my favorite sports of all time. My family has played baseball. My pop was freaking drafted in the MLB draft by the Baltimore Orioles and sat in their farm system before he, I think he broke his ankle. It was ankle or wrist. He was a catcher. So you can't, either one of those things are very important to being a catcher. So I need baseball, especially during the summer. I need baseball. I need to sit around and be pissed off at the Chicago Cubs for a vast majority of my time. I don't care if there's any fans. There are a lot of teams in the league already have done this without fans, like the Orioles or Tigers or uh, the Miami Marlins. Like, all these teams don't have fans anyways. So they're fine with the no fans thing. So let's just go into the season just go. Go into the season just go. Yeah, it makes sense. It's got to be annoying being Major League Baseball. Actually, not for Major League, just the fans in general. Major League Baseball fans and seeing the NHL come back or co- coming back, the NBA coming back, soccer leagues all across the world coming back. Bundesliga is already here. La Liga's this week. Premier League's next week. Serie A is a week from that. And the MLB is just sitting there like, oh, we don't know what we're doing. And I saw a tweet that perfectly described this. It's not the players. No, the MLB is screwing the MLB. That is, that's the whole thing. The MLB is toying around with this idea that I don't really know what they're toying around with. I don't even think they know what they're doing. It shouldn't be this difficult. And the big problem is that we're facing, they had like two days of spring training or like a week of spring training. So these teams haven't even made it the first cuts they've had yet. That's bad. (laughs) We're going to see a lot of weird baseball players that we did not expect to see in the majors. So there could be a lot of weird prospects around. But you know what? We will. <laughs> you know what? That will will it will will make it work. <laughs> I guess. But baseball, man, figure it out. It's not like it's that difficult. I mean, I'm not saying it's not difficult, but it's not as difficult as you guys are making it out to be. NHL is coming back. NBA is coming back. I'm excited for the NHL. That one's gonna be fun. Blackhawks are in the playoffs. <laughs> I love that. I freaking love the fact that the Blackhawks are in the playoffs. Last team in the playoffs. Now, for my dad with the Sabres, uh, he's a little upset because of the fact that the three played three games less, or two games less than the Montreal Canadiens are three points behind. Or it's the other way around. Three games behind and two points less. I can't remember the exact numbers there. But he has a right to be upset. And even funnier, my dad bought me a shirt last year that said the tank worked. Because they got Rasmus Dahlin. The Sabres were the hottest team in the league. So they got this shirt that said the tank worked. And I would guess like a week after that shirt came out, 
the Sabres started their inevitable decline. They're like the Seattle Mariners of the NHL. Seattle Mariners, for whatever reason, seem to always start the season hot. And then they tail off at the end. I remember we did a show. It was either my junior year or my, it was this year. I can't remember which one. No, it was definitely my junior year. Yeah. Because that was the only time I've been up at UNI with the... It was the second semester of my junior year. The Mariners were the hottest team in the MLB. They had easily the best record. Their stats were off the charts with their hitting and stuff. And then I said, this is the Mariners. So when is the inevitable decline coming? I don't know if I said those exact words, but I was like, this is, <laughs> when's this, when are they summing, when are they sucking? This is not fun. The Mariners should never be this good. I mean, they were good. Randy Johnson, Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, like they had talent on their team. They're the only team in the major leagues not to go to the World Series. The only team. The Nationals were right there. Nationals went and won the World Series. Now it is the Seattle, Seattle Mariners, the only team that have not been to a World Series. I think that's right. The Sabres are the Mariners every year. Not saying expectations are always high for the Mariners, but expectations for the Sabres are usually pretty high. Because you got players like Jack Eichel, one of the best players in the NHL, who is wasting away in Buffalo. And you got Rasmus Dahlin, one of the best young defenders in the NHL. Like, the Sabres have talent. They have cool uniforms. I mean, I wish they went back to the the royal blue uniforms. Now, for an alternate, I would love to see the black ones come back, the black and red ones, but not as an everyday uniform. As an alternate, definitely, but not as an everyday one. The the royal blue needs to come back. Because then they can match the Bills. The Bills went to that ugly navy blue stuff that they had the Drew Bledsoe, J.P. Lossman era. And now they're back to, yeah, a lot of people say they're super plain, but they're one of the best uniforms, one of the most underrated uniforms in the NFL. The Sabres need to do the same thing and go back to the Royal Blue. The Sabres, every year, potential. There's always something to improve on. There's always something like, oh, we got hype this year. We built a nice little team around Jack Eichel. Now, if Robin Lanier was still there, I think they would be a lot better. But he was in a really weird situation while with the Buffalo Sabres. Carter Hutton's there, but he's more of a backup. And he proved, he, he was like, man, I could be a starter in this league with the times he was with St. Louis and Jake Allen was just being Jake Allen. But I don't know. The Mariners, there's they'll, they'll probably start the season hot like they always do and then just completely fall to crap like halfway to the first half of the season. It's what they always do. And this went from talking about the MLB playoff thing to the NHL playoff thing to the Sabres sucking to them being the Mariners of baseball or hockey. Jeez. I do feel bad for my dad, though, with the Sabres not making the playoffs. The Sabres haven't made the playoffs in a very long time. A very long time. Remember when they had Brad Miller? They were one of the best teams in the NHL. And then they blew the entire thing up and haven't been anywhere good since. And it's not even close. Now, imagine if this would be a little different if the Buffalo Sabres got the number one pick instead of the Edmonton Oilers and got Connor McDavid. So the Oilers would get Jack Eichel. Where would the Sabres be with Connor McJesus, the best player in the NHL? I would love to see Connor McDavid on the Buffalo Sabres. I really like the Buffalo Sabres. My dad is a huge Buffalo Sabres fan. 
I really like the Buffalo Sabres, and I feel bad that they're not in the playoffs, but imagine what they'd be like with Jack Eichel, or not, with uh, Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid is easily the best player in the NHL, and he is much like Eichel, who's a couple steps below, or a little while below Connor McDavid as far as overall skill level. Still skillful, nonetheless. They are wasting away in Edmonton and Buffalo. They are wasting away. One of those two should come to Chicago. <laughs> come join the Blackhawks. Jonathan Taze ain't getting any younger. You guys to replace Jonathan. I love Jonathan Taze. He's a legend. One of the greatest players in NHL history. Not just Blackhawks history, but NHL history. You could replace him with McDavid or Eichel. Both are going to be asking for huge contracts. As Eichel had just signed a huge contract. I don't know about McDavid. I think McDavid did, but trade him something. We don't. The sad part is we don't really have a lot of young players in Chicago that, that are worth trading. That they would go like, oh yeah, we could do this. You have to trade like your entire draft, which is great and all. But you look at the history of teams trading away a bunch of draft picks. And that's where we falter. But the NHL coming back, Blackhawks in the playoffs. World is good. <laughs> the world's turning around. The NBA coming back July 31st. Got that whole 22-team league with the nine teams of the Eastern Conference and twenty and 13 in the Western Conference. Uh, KD, I, I saw this the other day. KD said he is done. He's not coming back. So that X's out the thing of uh, KD and Kyrie playing together with the Brooklyn Nets in that first-round playoff matchup. I think it's against the Raptors is what we predicted. I think that's what it ended up being. But KD is not coming back. And sadly, the Chicago Bulls aren't in the playoffs, which is what we really need. The Blackhawks and the Bulls, both in the playoffs. Beautiful. B-E-A-U to... Wait. <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, my God. B-E-A-U to... Like Bruce Almighty. Buffalo native. So, we got the NBA coming back. NHL coming back. Soccer coming back. And the MLB is sitting on their thumb and... It's not doing anything. So hopefully this proposal ends up coming through because, ooh, we need baseball. We need baseball. Baseball is America's pastime, and I it's been passed up in popularity by the NFL like some time ago, but the MLB is the most historic sport in the United States of America, easily. The history entrenched with these franchises is insane. The amount of teams that have been around forever is just amazing. The Dodgers, Yankees, Chicago Cubs, Red Sox, White Sox. Like, oh, you got a bunch more teams that I didn't even mention there. But some legendary stuff. MLB, get your stuff figured out because I need baseball. I need to be mad at something during the summer and, and sports-wise. Be mad, at, be mad at something sports-wise during the summer. If I need to clarify. So. Yeah. I just need baseball. I need to be mad at the Cubs. <laughs> the Cubs. I need you guys to piss me off for a little while longer. I need to piss. I need the Cubs to be there and just disappoint me like they do every freaking year. There's no reason with the talent the Chicago Cubs have. And this is another little rant thing that I wasn't planning on doing. The talent the Chicago Cubs have, they should not be struggling to make the playoffs, let alone not make the playoffs. 
in what world do a team with the core of Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Wilson Contreras not make the playoffs? In what world does that not happen? I'll tell you what happens. When a team has signed a bunch of players to a bunch of bad contracts and can't afford any other good players because they've totally screwed themselves with their contracts like Tyler Chatwood. Nolan Arenado was begging to come out of Colorado, and we can't get him. <laughs> One, because we don't have any young players, and two, because we screwed ourselves with our bad contracts. Watch Eloy Jimenez and Gliber Torres light it up in New York and the other side of Chicago. Where the guy that we traded Gliber Torres for is back on the team we traded him from. I wouldn't be at... Okay, so there's two things to that story with the Gliber Torres trade. One, yes, I am fully aware that Aroldis Chapman was one of the main reasons Chicago Cubs won the World Series. Without him, I do not believe the Cubs would win the World Series. Second thing, I wouldn't be mad at this whole situation if he didn't go straight back to the Yankees the very next... We, we rented him and gave away our best prospect to rent him. To rent, as he is lighting it up on arguably the best team in the major leagues. Imagine an infield with him and Javier Baez. Both have played second and shortstop very, very well. You move Javi to second base so he can make all those great plays. Gliber can play shortstop or second. Imagine that. You have an infield of Wilson Contreras at catcher, Anthony Rizzo, Gliber Torres, Javier Baez, Chris freaking Bryant. Instead, we loved going with Addison Russell. Addison Russell, who, when hot, is very good. But when Colt, he is a top five worst player in the league. And that's why he's no longer on the team, and the Cubs are struggling for a second base. And I hope and pray Nico Horner is as good as I believe he is. Because if he's not, then I don't know what we're going to do. I once Whit Merrifield, he's another one crying to get out of a situation. Whit Merrifield and Nolan Arenado are begging teams to come and get him. More so Arenado than Whit Merrifield. Why? Just go get one of them. Getting Arenado would sure up that third base spot and move Brian to the outfield, and we're golden. But if not, get Merrifield. He can play left field when we're playing right-handed bat or left-handed pitchers, and he can play second base for right-handed pitchers. He's so versatile. He can play everywhere. He's listed as a starting center fielder for the Kansas City Royals. Plays left field, right field, center field, second base, shortstop, third base. Like, he plays everywhere. Get him. He's another Ben Zobrist who the Cubs missed on when they signed for the or- when he first signed for the Royals because he was coming from the Rays. I believe it was, he started with the Rays. I don't know if there was an in-between team there or anything, but he's another one of those guys. He'd be the leadoff guy which is something the Cubs are still trying for. Now, I think Chris Bryant is a very good shout as a leadoff hitter. The best contact hitter on the Chicago Cubs is Chris Bryant. So it makes sense to put him at the leadoff spot, which is something that Cubs fans were saying should have happened a few years ago. But when this came up to a talking point this year, I looked. I didn't even think about it because I was like, ah, they're never going to do that. It makes the most sense, but will they ever do it? Probably not. I think Javier Baez is working to be a leadoff hitter because he's trying to switch bat both-handed. Switch, switch. He's trying to be a switch hitter. Man, I just need the Cubs to disappoint me. I just need something to disappoint me. And with that being said, let's look at 
my Logan Blackman show, MLB Power Ranks. It's all 30 teams in the MLB. All your favorite teams are on here. We'll go in-depth on each team. Here, starting at 30, working our way up to number one. Starting at number 30, of course, is the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, what is there to say about the Orioles that hasn't already been said? I think everybody knows the Baltimore Orioles are one of the worst, if not the worst teams in the MLB. They won 54 games last year. And you know what? I wouldn't really be surprised if they won less than that. They did absolutely nothing this offseason. Really. If you look at who they signed, they got Jose Iglesias. Like, congratulations, guys. They've solved no other huge problems on their team. They got uh, Taylor Davis from the Chicago Cubs. Uh, He's not even listed on their depth chart. He's going to start in AAA, probably stay in AAA forever. But what's their plan? I don't know what the Orioles are going to do. They have the the number one overall pick from a draft from a few years ago. Oh, jeez. We had Chick-fil-A for lunch, so I'm sorry if the that's a little gross. But and according to MLB.com, they have the 13th best farm system in the league, which is not great for how bad of an overall team they are now because they're going to need these prospects to come up, especially Adley Rauchman, the catcher. They're going to need him to be a beast. He's a better catching prospect, apparently, than Buster freaking Posey. So they're going to need him to be that. They're going to need the Austin Hayes is currently, according to MLB.com, their best prospect who's projected to be their starting center fielder. So we'll see how he does in his first year, full-time year in the MLB. But looking at the rest of their roster, nothing is great. Chris Davis hasn't been good since he was an MVP candidate. Like, it feels like 20 years ago. So if you watch him now, he's a completely different player. And they're just stuck with that terrible contract they gave him. There's no redeeming qualities of this Baltimore Orioles roster. I did not see what they do to improve off 54 wins from the season before. And they got two of the best teams in the entire league sitting at top of their division. So it's going to be a hard season for the Orioles. They allowed 981 runs last year. 981. That is by far the most in baseball. They had a plus minus of minus 252 which was the second worst in all of baseball, right behind the 29th best team in the league, the Detroit Tigers, who scored a very low. Like, when I I say the Orioles gave up the most runs by a lot, the closest one to them was 958, which were the Rockies. When I say this is the lowest in the league by a lot, I mean it's the lowest by a lot. The Detroit Tigers scored 582 runs last year. 582. Other than the Rockies with scoring the 958, Like, that's at least in the 900s. There's no team below 600 runs scored last year. The Detroit Tigers scored 582. The next closest team in regards to run total was the Miami Marlins, who scored 615. That is a huge drop-off. They have a plus-minus of minus 33, or a run differential, minus 33. I said 33, 333. The Tigers are bad, like really bad. And it's crazy because these teams that are super bad can't really do anything to help their situation. I don't know what the, I don't know what the Tigers or Orioles can do. 
for the time being. The only thing that's redeemable for the Detroit Tigers, according to MLB.com, they have the fifth best farm system in the league. The fifth best. So we'll see how they do with all of that. And they added some pieces in the offseason. So it's not like they just sat and did nothing. I mean, these pieces aren't very great. Look at the likes of Austin Romy. Romany. Romany. I've never been able to pronounce his name. Rom, Romine. Austin Romine. <laughs> I don't know. And Ivan Nova. They added those two in the offseason. CJ Cron comes there at first base. So now you've got Miguel Cabrera as a full-time DH now. Cameron Mabin's there to add some speed and experience to the outfield, I guess. Victor Reyes is there. Nico Goodrum. Jaimir Candelario from the Chicago Cubs traded for him, traded him there for Nicholas Castellanos, who's now with the Reds, sadly. Jonathan Shoup is there as well. You got a couple of good young prospects for the Detroit Tigers. Casey Mize, the number seven overall prospect in Major League Baseball. He's a right-handed pitcher. They have some good pitchers. Matt Manning, another right-handed pitcher, ranked 24th. Tark Skubal, left-hand pitcher, ranked 46th. They got Riley Green in outfield, ranked number 31. They've got some talented pieces in their farm system. So their prospects that we should see a lot of them coming up this year. But as far as their roster stands right now, it is not great. It is not great. There's no real amazing things that happen here. You score less than 600 runs. You're the only team that did that in the entire league last year in a year where runs were scored at an insane rate, you had a you had a run differential of minus three hundred and thirty three. Though your prospects and you know, though your farm system is promising, the amount of times you got smacked by teams last year, you can't be any higher than twenty nine. I struggled with putting the Orioles at thirtieth and the Tigers at twenty ninth. Neither one of them deserved to be any higher or even in this top rank. I should have just done twenty eight teams. And these two teams sit dead last. There's really no redeeming qualities other than the Tigers have a really good farm system. If the Tigers didn't have that, I don't know. I wouldn't even consider them an MLB team anymore. They've had 47 wins last year. 47. Let me repeat 47 wins. The next closest was the Baltimore Orioles with 54. In a year where the balls are coming off bats like crazy, you manage to be the only team that scored less than 600. That's sad. That is very sad. Number 28, the San Francisco Giants. They won 77 games last year. They got really hot in like the middle part of the season, but don't expect them to get hot at any time this year. They have a really weird mix of young and old players, and that's why I ranked them as low as I did last year, and the same thing is being said this year they scored 678 runs last year which was dead last in the AL, in the nl west they had a run differential of minus 95 which because it's the giants they've always had a very nice history of pitching especially in the 21st century in the 2010s especially you look at like tim linscombe matt kane madison bumgarner madison bumgarner's gone so now you're gonna go in without him i think jeff samarja is still there so he's probably gonna be your ace and I'll tell you, from being a Chicago Cubs fan, he he's decent, but you don't want him as the ace. I guess technically right now, Johnny Cueto is listed as our ace. There's no positive things here for the San Francisco Giants. 
Their team is a weird mix of old players and young players. And the young players that they have aren't really that good, if we're being 100% honest. And the old players were very good at one time, but now are just old. Like Brandon Belt, Evan Longoria. Like, players like that. I mean, Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford still have very good spurts every once in a while, but nothing great. They re-signed Hunter Pence. They signed Billy Hamilton, who's just a speed merchant, who doesn't really do anything else. He'll bat ninth in their batting order. I can guarantee that. That's the only thing I can guarantee. Billy Hamilton will bat ninth because he's not a good hitter. If he wasn't fast, he wouldn't be in the league. He's like Terrence Gore, who's on the Cubs and on the Royals for a little bit. I don't know where he's at now. But he wouldn't be in the league if he wasn't fast. Yet, Mike Yastrzemski, who's there, who's probably, if we're talking about their best players, as of right now, he might be the best player on their roster as far as fielders. Him, Brandon Crawford, I think, are probably the two best players on the San Francisco Giants. You got Alex Dickerson, young, or you think he's young. At least I thought he was young. He's 30 years old. Yeah, there's nothing really redeemable about this roster. And, yeah, there I don't see them getting hot randomly like they did last year. That's something I don't see. According to MLB.com, they have the 10th-ranked farm system. Uh, the positions that they have that are considered the best in their roster are positions that they're going to need to replace in the future, like catcher Joey Bart, number 14th-ranked prospect, Marco Luciano, number 35-ranked shortstop, uh, Marcio Dubon, Dubon, who's going to start the season at second base. Leo Ramos, outfielder. Hunter Bishop, outfielder. Seth Corey, left-handed pitcher. So you've got like these positions that you're going to be filling up, but right now, there's it's just a weird mix of young and old players. And the old players are past it, and the young players are either just not good enough or are inexperienced. So we don't know what they're going to be yet. I like Yastrzemski. I think he's probably their best player along with Brandon Crawford. But that's not going to get them anywhere close to the playoffs. And I fully expect, and this isn't going to tease anything, at least I don't hope so. I don't expect the Rockies. I expect the Rockies to be better than them. I don't know how much better, but I think the Rockies will be better than them. And especially if we'll see how they, if they keep Nolan Arenado or not. And going up to number 27, the Seattle Mariners. We roasted them a lot. We were talking about the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, they won 68 games last year. They had a winning percentage of 420. Ugh. They had a uh, run differential of minus 135. They scored 158 runs. Yeah, there's just a... I mean, we've we've made fun of the Seattle Mariners enough on the Logan Blackman show. We've done this for a while. This has not been a new thing. We've always made fun of this team. Now, they are going to get Mitch Hanniger who only played about 65, 70 games last year. So getting him back for a season will be great for them. Kyle Seeger, see if they can keep him healthy for a full season. But there's nothing really fantastic on this roster. Their pitching's improving. They got Taiwan Walker from the Arizona Diamondbacks, who the Cubs were linked to quite a bit. But they're... Yeah. It's the Mariners. No matter how good they are at one point in the season, they always always finish <laughs> not great uh they got carl edwards jr as well this offseason looks like he's gonna be the spearhead of their bullpen uh, yeah they're gonna be towards the bottom of the league uh d gordon hasn't been anywhere what they expected when they got him from miami 
Uh, Malik Smith, another speed guy. He wears number zero because, again, he does nothing really else other than speed. I mean, he does some good things, but... Yeah, getting Mitch Hanniger back is going to be big for the Mar- San- ugh, Seattle Mariners. But I don't see them being anything special this year. They weren't great last year. I don't see them being anything special again this year. So I think 27th is a fair margin for the Seattle Mariners. Pittsburgh Pirates at 26. Um, they're done. They they won 69 games last year. And other than Josh Bell, they've got nothing on their roster. They traded away Sterling Marte, the last redeeming quality on their entire roster, to the Arizona Diamondbacks. They are the... Like, the brokest team, the MLB, if my memory serves me right. They got Gerard Dyson there in the center field now. Gregory Polanco, see if he can stay up in the majors for a full season. Uh, Kevin Newman, a uh, very error-prone shortstop, see what he does there. But, yeah, other than Josh Bell, there's nothing redeeming on this roster. There's nothing worth talking about on this roster. Colin Moran, Adam Frazier, decent players, but... They're not going to get the Pirates anywhere to where they want to be. They, I don't know what the Pirates are going to do. They, there's just nothing. There's just nothing to talk about on this team. They're just such a bland team. Bland team, like as bland as you could possibly get. According to the MLB.com, they have the 15th best pro, uh, farm system in the league. Right in the middle is where not where it's just not where you want to be. For a team that's not does they just don't have any future. You don't want to be right in the middle, and when you're trading your best players, you're not getting any decent sized prospects for them. You got Mitch Keller, right-handed pitcher, your best prospect according to the MLB.com. Cabrian Hayes, a third baseman. O'Neill Cruz, a shortstop. I John Leo, who we've mentioned quite a bit on this show, is a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. I would say I'm sorry for you, John, but I hate the Pirates. So good. <laughs> Good luck to you guys going up the season. With the shortened season, let's see how they do with that. I, this is going to be bad. You know what's bad when I'm ranking them behind the 2015 the Miami Marlins. The Marlins won 57 games last year, but to that point, they did add some decent pieces to their roster. They had some pretty decent players. I'm not, it's not world-beating players. Like They're still in the 20s. It's not like they're going to be challenging for the top spot in the league. But Jonathan VR, Corey Dickerson, Brandon Kinsler got him from the Chicago Cubs, very shaky bullpen player, but can provide some decent stuff for them there. He'll be their closer to start the season. Jesus Aguilar is there. He did lose. My one of my favorite Cubs of all time, Starlin Castro, is now at the Washington Nationals. But you added some decent players. They I like some of the players they got this offseason. Corey Dickerson, VR, uh Kinsler. I'm upset that he's not. I don't know. They're not going to be good. I'm just going to say it like that. They're not going to be good, but the the players they've added, I think they can be a little better than what they were. Now, the thing that the pro, the problem is that I'm facing here with ranking them 25th, and part of the reason why I think I should rank them lower is their division is arguably going to be the toughest in baseball this year because the top four teams in the in your division, the NL East are going to be competing for playoff spots. The Braves, Nationals, Mets, and Phillies. You finished 40 games back of that Braves last year. The next closest team was the Phillies with 16. Like, your division is going to be super, super tough. All four of those teams had winning records at home last year. 
all of them. Basically, all of them had a run differential that was positive or near positive. The, the Phillies had a minus 20. But that's really nothing compared to your minus 193. The Phillies did not live up to their potential. You look up the players in the NL East. Just the top players from each team. Acuna on the Braves. Scherzer, Stra yeah, Strasburg's still there on the Nationals. Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil on the Mets. Bryce Harper on the Phillies. More of a name than great player nowadays, but still, nonetheless. It's going to be tough. That's I'm, I might want to rank them lower than what I have them just because of how tough their division is. I might lower them down to like 27th, move up the Pirates and Mariners. But it's, it's going to be tough for them. It's going to be a tough year. They made steps with getting decent players, but nothing that's going to keep them from coming la anything other than last in their division. Number 24, the Kansas City Royals, same division as the Tigers, one of the worst teams in the league last year. They allowed 869 runs last year. They won 59 games. And, uh, yeah, the reason they're a little higher on this list than what they probably should be this extended offseason, I guess you could say, can allow them to get the likes of Salvador Perez and Al and Aldoberto Modesi. Jeez. Modesi could get back and fully healthy. So you got those two players. You got Whit Merrifield. Jorge Soler just smashed home runs last year. They're not, I mean, they're, they're terrible. Let's not get it twisted around here. But they're not one of the terrible, terrible teams this offseason. Like, terrible, terrible. They're still not great. Their farm system ranks 17th. Uh, Brad Singer, uh, might he'll probably see some action up there. Bobby Witt Jr., shortstop prospect, is on his way up as well. So, the Royals could be back to semi-relevancy, especially helping getting back of Salvador Perez and Mondesi back. That's huge, but they'll still be towards the bottom of the league. I'm not really, I'm not really feeling that they're going to be world beaters this year but they're gonna i think they could be better than what they were last year it's not like 59 wins is incredibly hard to top but you never know you never know with that what 76 game season i fully expect them to get worse than that but but uh yeah percentage wise they should be better than a 36.4 win percentage uh number 23 the colorado rockies their pitching is atrocious if not for Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story, this team would be so much lower unless they got Ubaldo Jimenez back. Sick. But other than that, I don't really care for anything on this roster. Trevor Story is awesome. Nolan Arenado is awesome. Charlie Blackman, my cousin, he's awesome as well. But he's aging. Ramil Tapia is a decent player. David Dahl is a decent player. Ryan McManon. McManus. Decent player. Garen Hampson, decent. Daniel Murphy, for moving over to first base, he's done pretty decent. Catching-wise, not great. Pitching-wise, not great. Which just kills everything that they've built with their offense. You've got players like Trevor Story, Nolan Arnauto, Charlie Blackman. You should be one of the best run-scoring teams in at least the National League. And they scored 835 runs, which is second most in their division last year in the NL West. But they allowed 958 runs, which is dead last by a lot in their division. 
The Padres are the next closest. They allowed 789 runs. You allowed 958, which was by far the most in the National League. The Pittsburgh Pirates, we talked about earlier, 911 runs. You guys allowed 958 while scoring a second-best run record in your league last year with 835. Even when we look at the entire NL, you finished fourth. Only the Dodgers, Braves, Nationals, and Cubs finished higher than you, or finished fifth, higher than you in runs. Actually, no, not even the Cubs. Yeah, fourth. I was looking at the the Diamondbacks run scored. Pitching's terrible. That's why they're as low as they are. They got talented offensive players. Pitching-wise, nothing worth talking about. Uh, Number 22, right? 22, yeah. The Toronto Blue Jays, very talented roster. Very young and talented roster. But that the key there, talented, yes. Young, even more so. You got the likes of Bo Bichette, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio. You got some talented fishers. You got Derek Fisher to transition from base basketball to baseball. I'm joking, obviously. But you still got a guy named Derek Fisher. Who batted 185 last year, seven home runs. He played, he's 26 years old, so he's a little young guy. You got a very young roster here. Travis Shaw, going to be your starting first baseman here. Smoke went to the Milwaukee Brewers this offseason. Reynold Grishik's coming back. Guriel, like you got some talented players. You got Biggio, Guerrero, Bichette. They're very talented players that you could build a team around. But they still need some time to come up. The rest of their farm system, other than those three, rank 16th in the majors. You got Nathan Pearson coming up from the prospects. He's a right-handed pitcher. Got a couple pitchers coming up for the Blue Jays. But they're just young. They're just very young. You got Hinjin Ryu. In the offseason from the L.A. Dodgers, Tanner Rourke is there. I just think they're really young. I might want to move them up a little bit. Maybe they jump them up to number 21, but they're still not going to be one of the better teams in the league. Their division is decently hard. and At least you got two of the best teams in baseball. I know the Red Sox aren't what they used to be, but they still got some decent players on that team. 67 wins. If this was a full season, I could see them getting upward, up to 70 but they'd still come in fourth in that division. Uh, number what, 21? Yeah, the Texas Rangers. Uh, new stadium. We'll see how the new stadium does. I liked it because we went down uh, to Dallas for the Thanksgiving Day game between the Buffalo Bills and the Dallas Cowboys. And the stadium was getting built right next to AT&T Stadium. It's a very nice stadium, retractable roof, so nobody will get as hot. Todd Frazier, still somehow in the major leagues, is down at Texas. Elvis Andrews, Texas Rangers legend, still there. Joey Gallo, one of the best power hitters in all of baseball, is there. They, I don't know. They, they didn't really do anything this offseason. They kind of just sat on what they did last year. Kind of just like, yep, yeah, we're good. I mean, they got Corey Kluber this offseason, which is huge. Get a nice little starting pitcher up there. Go along with Lance Lynn, Mike Miner. You got some decent stuff there. They're building something kind of nicely. And according to this one's website, the Rangers pulled off a highway robbery with the Kluber trade. They're, they've got some decent pieces. Greg Bird, I don't think is that good coming from the Yankees. I think Todd Frazier can be a nice little holder for the first base spot for the time being. As, as far as their farm system goes, according to MLB.com, let's see if we can find them. Where do the Texas Rangers sit? 
Oh, gosh. They're below them. No. Texas Rangers, no. 21st. Nick Solak, he's going to come up. He's going to start the season at third base, it looks like, according to ESPN's depth chart for the Texas Rangers going into the season. Josh Young is also there as well. Third base prospect Sam Huff, a catching prospect, which they need some help at catcher. They got Robinson Torinos this offseason back in Texas, or back in Dallas, I guess. Got him from the Houston Astros. So he's coming back. So you've got some decent players on this roster, but I think they're improved. They're, they're definitely improving. 78 wins last year. This was a full season. They could easily go up into the 80s, but they wouldn't challenge their division. I A division with the Astros, A's, and Angels, I still think they'd come in fourth, but that's whatever. Because the Angels are vastly improved as well, even though they came Rangers came third last year. Number 20, the Boston Red Sox. They got Alex Verdugo from Los Angeles Dodgers. But, yeah, I mean, there was just nothing good about the, the Boston Red Sox last year. There was nothing good about the Boston Red Sox season. So disappointing. Coming off a World Series, you win 84 games. That's disappointing. Fresh off a World Series. How dominant you guys were the season before to be as disappointing as you were. That sucks. Very sucks. Alex Verdugo, very talented player. Very cringy player, but very talented player nonetheless. He'll take the place of Mookie Betts. Will he be able to replicate what Mookie Betts did in Boston? Hell no. But, actually, I don't know. He might. He might. He's talented, but could he win an MVP? Only time will tell. I shouldn't have said hell no because he could be very talented and be that type of player. But there's nothing. They won 84 games last year. I don't see anything that tells me they're going to be better than 84 games. Their farm system ranks 25th in the majors. They're in a rebuilding phase without the pieces to rebuild. That is not something good. That is not what you want. So the fact that you have no farm system and you're trying to rebuild. Do not get stuck in the same situation the Miami Marlins are in because that's the same thing that they've been doing. And they're still one of the worst teams in baseball. Do not get stuck in that situation. Because if you do... You're going to be bad for a long time. Long time. Tank with no farm system. While having a bunch of players on massive contracts. Like J.D. Martinez, Andrew Benintendi, Xander Bogarts, Raphael Devers. Like, these good players, but we can't tank. We're not going to be bad. We're not going to be super bad. We're going to be bad, but we're not going to be super bad to where we can get high prospects. So they're just in a sucky situation. And do I care? No. I'm not a Red Sox fan. I could care less about what the Boston Red Sox do. But they're not going to be good. They won 84 games last year. Uh, I bet they win. A, if it was a full season, I bet they'd win 80. May 85 to 80 games. I think that's where they'd sit. Because last year, they gave up 828 runs. They scored 901 runs. Which was... Third best, I believe, or fourth best. Fourth best in the American League. But you lost a big component of where your runs came from, Mookie Betts. And that's a lot to throw on Alex Verdugo's shoulders, who is basically more or less a rotation player while playing for the Dodgers. So, I don't know. We'll have to see what he does this year, because he could be very talented. He is a very talented prospect, but not all... 
all very talented prospects pan out to be very talented major league players. It happens quite a bit. But for the Red Sox fans' sakes, I hope he is as good as what they're hoping. I just I hope that for Red Sox fans' sake. Number 19, the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, what'd they do? <laughs> they lost Jasmani Grandal to the Chicago White Sox, let him go in free agency, got Omar Navarez to replace him. You got Justin Smoke, who we mentioned earlier. But the rest of their team, they got Investiel Garcia. They got Luis Urias from the San Diego Padres. But that's about it. They're young with a mix of random players in there as well. Like Eric Sogard's there. Jed Yurko is there as well. Brock Holt, who cried after he left the Red Sox. Orlando Arcia, who's a decent player at best. Brandon or Ryan Braun is nowhere as good as what he used to be. Logan Morrison, one of the most, other than his name being Logan, he's not that good of a baseball player. Like, they signed a bunch of players. Smoke, Morrison, um, Luis Urias, Jed Giorco, Vesil Garcia. Like, you got all those players. Omar Navarez. That's, you lost players that you didn't really do a good job of replacing them. Mike Moustakis went to the Reds. Um, crap, we've mentioned uh Wow, what? His name just left my head. Yasmani Grandal. I don't know why I was blanking so hard on that. Maybe Luis Urias can replace Orlando Garcia at shortstop eventually because he was one of the top prospects in the San Diego, Pros- San Diego Padres system. Orlando Garcia is just not that good. That's why he's been up and down the majors. Now you could go like, oh, he's young. He's 25 years old, so maybe he still needs some time to develop. Uh, Kesson Huria. Hira, um, decent player. He had a good season last year in his first season up with the majors, 23 years old. But, yeah, without Christian Yelich, we saw what they were without Yelich. They, I mean, they did get to the playoffs without Yelich. They weren't in the playoffs when Yelich was there. Yelich is an MVP candidate every year now. But with the Reds improving immensely, I think the Brewers just fall to fourth place in the division. I can't see the Cubs winning only 84 games again. Especially this year since there's only 70-something games. <laughs> Proposed, I guess. Number 18, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, they got Sterling Marte from the Pittsburgh Pirates, who basically just gave them to them. They got Massim Bumgarner from their division rivals. Uh, Cattell Marte is coming off a nice little year. Now he's going to be playing second base. He was more of an outfielder last year. Cole Calhoun is there as well. Uh, yeah. They got a decent team, but they're it's just it's gonna be another typical Arizona Diamondbacks year. They might squeak into the playoffs, but more often than not, they will just be around 85 wins and just be right there. But never be good enough to actually do anything. They'll be good. It's that we it's the worst place to be in baseball. Or in sports in general. Where you are a good team but not good enough to make the playoffs. That's the Arizona Diamondbacks. They have a talented team, but they will never do anything with that talented team. Why? Because it's the Diamondbacks. They won 85 games last year. They were not really that close at making the playoffs, even though they had Cattell Marte playing out of his mind last year. The players they've signed been good, are good signings. They are very good signings. 
they're just lucky that the division they're in is not that good. So they can ride off on that. So that's the Diamondbacks at number 18. So keeping it in the division at number 17, the San Diego Padres. I am a big fan of the San Diego Padres. I'm a huge fan of the San Diego Padres. This, like, not as like, yes, let's go Padres. More of like, I like what they're doing. I'm a fan of what they are doing. And with their young players and their farm system, farm system currently ranks second in the majors. And that's still with all the good players they've been calling up, like Francisco Mejia, uh, Fernando Tatis. Like, those guys have been, they're gone, and yet their farm system is still one of the best. Their pitching prospects are up there. They got Trent Grisham at center field, got him from the Milwaukee Brewers. Tommy Pham from the Tampa Bay Rays will add very nice experience to the outfield. Will Myers is still there. Eric Hosmer is still there. They got Jerickson Profar from the Atlanta, uh, the Oakland Athletics. Brian Dozier's there as well. Manny Machado, obviously, still there. They've got very, very talented players in their dressing room. Very talented players. The Rockies, or the Padres, are my sleeper team on making the playoffs. Their rebuild is pretty much, they, they, they just got to get more of their farm system up to the majors. So if you look, again, the second best farm system in the league. They were number one pretty much all season last year. Mackenzie Gore, one of the top pitchers in all the minor leagues. C.J. Abrams, one of the top shortstops in the minors. Luis Patino, another top prospect in the minors. Mackenzie Gore is expected to make the jump to the majors this year. They got some good players. They got some very talented players. They could be on the come up. And they're switching back to their brown uniforms, brown and yellow uniforms, which I'm impartial to. But they could be right up there and be the second best team in the division. I'm not going to say challenge the Dodgers, but be one of the top teams in that division. Number 16, the Chicago White Sox, who have made a lot of very nice signings and moves this offseason. They finished third in the division, 72 wins from the season before. Just uh, average, pretty much. They got Yasmani uh, Grandal this offseason. Lucas Giolito proved to be one of the – their he. He's going to be their ace. Luis, Lucas Giolito is going to be their ace. Dallas Keuchel, they got him from the Atlanta Braves this offseason. Tim Anderson had an extremely hot year last year. Yon Mankata, one of the best, uh, depending on how you look at it, left sides of the infield, right sides of the infield, one of the best young tandems in the league. Eloy Jimenez in the outfield. Luis Roberto, one of the young players on the White Sox, is one of the favorites to win Rookie of the Year this year. Nomar Mazzara got him from the Texas Rangers. Very good signing there. And Edwin Encarnacion got him to be your DH. The White Sox have done a very nice job at building something without anybody really paying attention to it. It's been very nice. Nick Madrigal, a very young player, was going to start the season at second base, it looks like. They finally got rid of Yolmer Sanchez, so now they can go in with actually good players. And I hate the White Sox. I hate saying that. But the pieces they've added are going to make them that much better. The White Sox are going to be very improved. They are very improved. They got pitching. Another pitcher to go with Giolito. They got a catcher. James McMahon. McCann was good last year, but not great. Yes, Monty Grandal can be that. McCann can rotate at DH as well. If Edwin Encarnacion starts to show his age and falters off. The White Sox are going to be good, and I hate saying that, but that's what they're going to be because they've got too much talent to be bad this year. And you've got 
of the 15, the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, they didn't really do anything this offseason. They didn't do anything. I don't even know what they did. I, What did the Cardinals do? Nothing. That's pretty simple. Nothing. They did absolutely nothing this offseason. So, they have good pitching. Spearheaded by Jack Flaherty. Got a very nice bullpen with Andrew Miller. Giovanni Gallegos. Gallegos and they got Jordan Hicks to throw a million miles an hour. But, what else do they have? Nothing. They didn't do anything this offseason. I re- they didn't do anything. I just, they're just kind of there. They're just like, ah, we're fine being... Uh, I mean, we won the division last year, so what's there to improve on? I mean... I don't know. It, didn't, it doesn't really make any sense, to be 100% honest with you. They didn't do anything, and I'm perfectly fine with them not doing anything. So I don't want them to win the division this year at all. Never want them to win the division. Uh, number 14, the Philadelphia Phillies. There's no way they finish only 81-81 this year. One, because they can't. It's impossible. But also because they are too talented to finish like that. Again, they got Zach Wheeler this offseason. A very good signing. They also To get some help for Aaron Nola in the starting rotation. Arietta struggled a lot last year. They got D.D. Gregorius there at shortstop. They're moving uh, Gene Segura to third base. They got Mikel Franco out the door. They started the season hot last year, but didn't really do anything towards the end. They got very nice third base prospect in Alex Bond. So he'll be coming up soon, you would expect as well. JT Realmuto, one of the best catchers, if not the best catcher in the MLB. Bryce Hopper, the biggest name in baseball. Again, Didi Gregorius is a huge signing. They got a new manager as well in Joe Girardi, who has a very nice relationship with Gregorius. Andrew McCutcheon, you'd expect him to be back to normal. He was hurt a lot last year. I think he missed a vast majority of the season last year. The, the Phillies are going to be better than what they were last year. There's no way around that. They are going to be better than what they were last year. I cannot see them being worse than what they were last year. That division is hard. The NL East is a very tough division. It's what the NL Central was for a very long time. She had the Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs, and Pirates, and even the Reds to a certain extent, all competing in that division. This division, the NL, NL East, the Braves, Nationals, Mets and Phillies are all going to be pushing for not only playoff spots, but maybe even trips to the World Series. Nationals won it last year. Braves have arguably the most talented team in baseball. The Mets have very talented pitching and great power at the bat or at the plate. The Phillies have name recognition and good players. So they, those teams are all very, very nice this year. Number 13, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Anthony Rendon, great, great signing. You got Rendon to go with Mike Trout and Shehi Otani. Sohi Otani. So now you've got some help for him. Justin Upton, back. Andrelton Simmons, back. Albert Pools, I still understand how he's still playing, but he's he's there. Got Julio Tehran there as well. You would expect the Phillies to be better. Dylan Bundy, awesome coming in as well to finally get some pitching help. Because that's the thing the Phillies have been. They've always had great talent, or not great talent, but talent offensively. Pitching has always been a problem. Now they're coming in with Joe Madden as the manager. you got great players. Mike Trout, the best player in baseball. Anthony Rendon was an MVP candidate last year. Shohei Otani, one of the best young players in baseball. 
Justin Upton has power and has good abilities. Brian Goodwin has speed and has good outfield abilities. They've got good players. And I expect them to be pushing for a playoff spot this year, if not make the playoffs, especially with the rumored expanded team's playoffs. I don't know how that's going to work, but you never know. Uh, number thir- number 12, the Cincinnati Reds arguably had the best offseason in the major leagues last year, or this past offseason. Arguably the best. You got Mike Moustakis, Nicholas Castellanos, Shogo Akiyama from, I believe, the Japanese league. You got Trevor Bauer returning. He, got, he came over from the Cleveland Indians. Eugenio Suarez is expected to come back. He was hurt a lot last season. See how he'll do. Freddie Galvis is there as well. The getting of Nicholas Castellanos is huge for the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds are going to be a very tough team this year. Trying to get back to the big red machine days, you'd imagine, but I would say they had the best offseason in baseball. They are trying, they are seeing that the NL Central is weaker than in years gone by and are trying to take advantage of that. Getting players from those division rivals and Castellanos and Mike Moustakis, notably. Their pitching is talented. Got Pedro Strope in the bullpen as well. Eugenio Suarez coming back is huge for them as well. Shogo Akiyama, we'll see how he does in his first season in the major leagues. Yeah, I, I'm scared of the Reds. The Reds, I think, will come second in the division. will easily push for a playoff spot. Number 11, we're keeping it in the state of Ohio with the Cleveland Indians. Uh, they finished second in the division last year. I didn't really know what to expect from the Indians last year. They got 93 wins last year, plus 112 uh, run differential, which is always good. But will they keep everybody this season? They got Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez. Will they keep those guys? Berto Perez, one of the best defensive str- catchers in all of baseball. Framil Reyes. Uh, they got Domingo Santana this offseason as well. So I... I never know what to expect from the Indians anymore. They've, they're past their World Series window. They they screwed that up when they allowed the Cubs to come back from a 3-1 lead. They blew it. They blew it. The Indians, I don't know. I I've The one I struggled with the most on this list was flipping between the Indians and the Reds on this list for 11 and 12. I think you could easily put the Reds above them for the position they put themselves in this offseason. The Indians didn't do anything this offseason, really. They've got decent players. But they're not challenging for a World Series. They are not challenging for a World Series this year. Not. Especially with the Twins in their division. And, yeah, it's going to be a, a disappointing year for the Cleveland Indians for the fact that they just had to keep going to bed at night going, yeah, we screwed up. We missed our World Series window. Number 10, uh, the New York Mets. We've already mentioned them. The, the bats, the pitching. Syndergaard is out for the year, I believe. I believe he got Tommy John surgery. Or some sort, some sort of surgery. Jacob Degrom, the best pitcher in all of baseball. Uh, Pete Alonso, one of the best power raiders. Jack McNeil, one of the best overall players in baseball. We're talking about versatility and contact, and he has some power in there as well. Wilson, Wilson Ramos, uh, Roberts Cano. You'd expect them to have better seasons this year. JD Dia, JD Davis, Michael Conferto, Brandon Nimmo, Jonas Cespedes will be back. It seems like this season which is always good for the New York Mets. But again, Jacob DeGrom, Marcus Struman, like great pitchers right there. Their bullpen, you just hope 
for Mets fans' sake, that it's better than what it was last year, especially with Edwin Diaz struggling at the beginning of the season. I think the Mets are a very talented team. I think they're a very, very good team. They're just young, and I think once they get their youth side out of the way, I think they'll be back to normal. I, well, what is normal for the Mets, I guess? Number nine, the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs disappointed last year. And I said this at the start of the season. If the Cubs don't at least make the World Series, Joe Madden's gone. That was the expectations that were pretty plain and obvious for all Cubs fans going into the season. And then when Joe Madden got fired, everyone was shocked. You, I get Joe Madden wanted the World Series. I get the thing of loyalty and all that. You miss the playoffs with this team. You don't come back. It's simple as that. I don't know why everybody was so shocked by it. I love Joe Madden as much as everybody. I don't think there's a single Cubs fan that hates Joe Madden or dislikes Joe Madden. But I think a vast majority of Cubs fans are stupid in the fact that they think that he did not deserve to get let go. The Cubs needed to go in a different direction. You have as much talent as this team has. We're talking about pure talent. Nobody in the league matches what the Cubs have. I'm not saying like they've met their talent. Like Contreras, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Kyle Schwarber has talent. Ian Happ, Albert Amort, they have talent, though they haven't lived up to their talent. They still have talent. Anthony Rizzo, talented. One of the most underrated first basemen in baseball. Joe Madden needed to go. I love Joe Madden. I will always love Joe Madden. But if you sit there and go, oh, he didn't deserve to go, he should have stayed. No, they missed the playoffs. With one of the most, I don't care who you place the blame on, the manager is in the title. Manage. And at times, it looked like he lost it with some of the decisions he made. He deserved to go. He needed to go. The Cubs needed to go in another direction. I think David Ross is a very nice one because he actually said, let's put our best contact hitter at leadoff spot, which is something Joe Madden just did not like to do because he kept throwing Kyle Schwarber at leadoff for whatever reason. Ever since Dexter Fowler went to St. Louis, the Cubs have been a train wreck. They need a leadoff hitter. I think Chris Bryant can be that, but they need to figure it out. If it's not him, they need to get someone like a Whit Merrifield this offseason. I don't care or this season, trade for him, do whatever. Nico Horner, maybe he can be the leadoff guy. But the Cubs have too much talent to not be a top 10 team in the league this year. I'm not saying push for a World Series this year, but they cannot lose this division with the fact that the Brewers did absolutely nothing. The Cardinals literally did nothing. The Pirates suck. You only got one team to really compete with in this division. That's the Reds. And on paper, the Cubs' talent outweighs the Reds. Like, you don't have players on the Reds that are better than Contreras, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo even. You don't have that on the Reds. The Cubs are super talented. Will they live up to their talent? I don't know. This is why I said I need something. I need to be pissed off at the Cubs. Because that's just what they do. I think you Darvish found his mojo again. Last year, struck out a ton of batters. He'll be the ace. Kyle Hendricks will be up there as well. They got Jeremy Jeffress from the Milwaukee Brewers. Rowan Wick had a very nice year. I expect Craig Krimble, Craig Kimbrell to be back to his normal self. So he didn't have a spring training last year. So he just kind of got thrust into the season. I think he'll be much improved from last year. The Cubs are number nine. They, if they don't win the division, I'll be disappointed. 
very disappointed. They they have to make the playoffs this year. It's playoffs or bust. I don't. I'm tired of missing. I know it was only a year. This is a spoiled mentality. But if you have this much talent on your roster, there's no reason you should be missing the playoffs. I don't care. The Brewers lost an MVP candidate. And you know what the Cubs did in the last 10 games? When the Brewers got super hot after losing their MVP candidate, Christian Yelich, they went 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. The Brewers are without one of the, the reigning NL MVP. What do we do? We should take advantage of this. Nope. Let's just suck for the remaining games of the season. There's no reason the Cubs should have not made the playoffs last year. Their run differential was plus 97. The Brewers was plus 3. The Brewers went 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. I think that's even including the playoffs. The Cubs went 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games, which was the worst record outside of the Padres in the entire National League. And the Cubs were a playoff team. They were in a playoff spot, and they choked it away. The way record they had was the third worst in the National League, and the two teams that were below them were the Marlins and the Rockies, who had 71 and 57 wins. So if you sit there and tell me that, oh, they shouldn't have cut Joe Madden, no. I think the players are much at fault. I'm not saying the players are without guilt. But Joe Madden's the manager. He's making the decisions. You can change the lineups. You can change the people who go into the games. When a team is on their hands and knees down without one of the best players in baseball, that's where you go in for the kill. You aren't the one. You don't. You aim the gun at them. You don't turn the gun back on yourself, which is exactly what the Cubs did. The Cubs need to make the playoffs this year. They need to win the division. And I still think they're the ninth best team in, the ba- in baseball. Number eight, the Washington Nationals. They won the World Series. They have some of the best pitchers in all of baseball. But they lost Nolan Arenado. Uh, that's a big loss for the Washington Nationals. He's a big reason they got a lot of their runs last year. A lot of their runs came from Nolan Arenado. Carter Kaiboom, one of the best young players in baseball, will be coming up to play third. They got Starlin Castro. Eric Thames, decent first base option. Juan Soto's very talented. Their outfield's the same as it was last year. Trey Turner, extremely talented. But as far as their infield goes, they didn't really improve on anything. They kind of just got like, kind of got worse. Eric Thames, Castro, and Kaiboom. Kaiboom's a young player, so I, I think he can be that great player. For the Washington Nationals and be a very good third baseman, but he's no Nolan Arenado, especially right now. Uh, number seven, the Oakland Athletics. Uh, the Oakland Athletics last year they made the playoffs as they always do. Uh, finished ninety-seven and sixty-five. Had Trevor Simeon or not Tre- Marcus Simeon come third in the MVP voting, and Trevor Simeon in the MVP race. Good lord, they got players like Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, the Matt brothers, Ramon Luri. Dariano in the center field. Chris Davis, one of the best power hitters in the MLB. They'll be up there. The Oakland Athletics are always near the top of the major leagues. And for the farm system, they're ranked 14th. Jesus Cesardo, one of the best left-handed pitchers in the major leagues, prospect-wise, will be up in the majors this year. 
So you'll get some more pitching help. Sean Mania will be back for a full season, you would expect. So I think they'll be right up there again. They're they're too good not to, to have a massive drop-off. Uh, number six, the Minnesota Twins, one of the best power rating teams in baseball. I think they had seven, six or seven players have 20-plus home runs or something like that. That's ridiculous. They won 101 games last year. They hit 939 runs. They'll be back. They'll be right up there with the best teams in baseball yet again. Josh Donaldson coming up from Atlanta is a huge addition for third base because Marwin Gonzalez did not do anything to keep the job from the season before. Eddie Rosario is there, one of the better players on this team. Max Kepler there as well. Nelson Cruz. They're just going to smash home runs. Again, Mitch Garver had a very nice year last year. They'll be up there again. Just to put it like that. They'll be up there again. So that's why I have them at number six. I think they could possibly be higher, but I'm going to go with number six. Now we're in the top five. The Tampa Bay Rays uh, finished second in the AL East last year, which is not surprising. I mean, at the beginning of this, I had them making the playoffs. I think making the playoffs is not the surprising part. I think finishing as 12 games above the Boston Red Sox was the surprising part. They only scored 769 runs, which is not an extremely high total, but they only allowed 656 runs, which was by far the least amount in the AL East, with the next closest being 739 of the Yankees. The Rays have some of the best pitching in baseball, got hot late, and they still... They're going to come back with the same mentality they always have. They got Austin Meadows from the San Diego Padres. Or no, Hunter Renfro from the San Diego Padres, not not Austin Meadows. Austin Meadows was arguably their best player from the season before. But yeah, Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Tyler Glasnow, Ryan Yarbrough. Like, they, they'll be back. They're a top-five team this league. They have the number one-ranked farm system, according to MajorLeagueBaseball.com. Wander Franco, the number one shortstop prospect, or the number one overall prospect, in the major leagues. Brandon McKay, left-hand pitcher slash DH, number 15th ranked prospect. He'll make a rise to the majors this year. Vidal Bruon, Xavier Edwards, Shane Baz, Brent Honeywell. Like, they've got such a good farm system. And they'll be right up with the best teams in the majors again. And they've – this is just coming off this last season with 96 wins. They're going to be – you would expect with their farm system there to be right up there again, be one of the best teams in the league. So I have them at number five. Number four, the Atlanta Braves. They've got so much talent on that roster. Good Lord. There's so many good players in the Atlanta Braves roster. Ronald Acuna being the spearhead, being the focal point of that roster. But you got players like Ozzy Albies, Dansby Swanson. You got Marcelo Zuna from the St. Louis Cardinals this offseason. Travis Dayarnot is trying to be a starting catcher again. Austin Riley, a good young third baseman, will try to place Josh Donaldson. You got young pitchers. Mike Soroka, Sean Newcomb. You got some very nice young pitchers. And the Braves, another thing for the Braves, which is not surprising throughout their history, they've always had this, but a number eight ranked farm system. Kyle Wright, one of the best right-handed pitching prospects in the minors, expecting to make a move up this year at some point. I don't know exactly when. We got Christian Pache in the outfield. Drew Waters, another outfielder. Ian Anderson, another pitcher. Sean Sean Langerlies, Lier, Langliers, a catcher. The Brewers, the Braves will be up there again. They should be pushing the Dodgers for that World Series spot. I'm not saying where the Dodgers are, but obviously they're in the top three. 
Number three, the Houston Astros. The Astros, with the whole cheating scandal, are going to be looked at a lot differently the years gone by. But you cannot deny the talent they have on this roster. They've still got so much talent. Bregman, Altuve, Correa, Brantley, Springer, Jordan Alvarez. Like, they may have cheated. They're still very talented. So it's like, why did you do this in the first place? Just make it easier, I guess. You did lose Garrett Cole this offseason. But you still got the reigning Cy Young Award winner and Justin Verlander. Zach Greinke's there. Lance McCullers. Like, they're still a top three team in baseball. Let's not get it twisted. Now between number one and two. Who is number one and who is number two? I think it's obvious who the number two and one and two teams are. But where are they? At number two, I have the Bronx Bombers, the New York Yankees, getting Garrett Cole this offseason. James Paxson's back. Mashiro Tanaka's there. They're just they're just so good. Gary Sanchez, DJ LeMay, who had a great season last year. Gliber Torres, we talked about earlier. Aaron Judge, Aaron Hicks, Giancarlo Stanton. Those three barely played, it felt like, last year. And they still won over 100 games. And smashed a ton of runs in with a backup team, essentially. What are they going to do with everybody's healthy? They're going to wreck things in the AL. They are insanely good they did all that like if you look at their record you're like wow it's really good ross that's a really good record they did that with aaron judge and all these guys no they did it with mike touchman <laughs> tyler wade like, they did it with all their bad players their young players their inexperienced players what are they going to do with judge stan hicks glaber torres dj may all healthy gary sanchez i'm scared I mean, not for the, I don't care because they're not in in the NL, so I don't care. But the Dodgers are, and they are the number one ranked team in the Logan Blackman Show power rankings. It's obvious. I mean, they got Blake um, Trannon from the Oakland Athletics this offseason. Clay Kershaw, Walker Bueller, one of the best young pitchers in baseball, one of the favorites to win the Cy Young this year. David Price, you would hope for their sake that he improves off what he did last year because he wasn't very good last year. Uh, Alex Wood, they got him back from the Cincinnati Reds. Or was he on the Reds? Or was that just like part of their trade that fell through? I can't remember. Uh, Max Muncie, one of the best first basemen. Gavin Lux, one of the most talented second baseman, young prospects in baseball. Justin Turner, Corey Sager, Jock Peterson, Cody Bellinger, reigning NL MVP. Mookie Betts. Do I need to say more? No, they're going to go to the World Series. I don't think that's not, I don't think anybody stands in their way. I think the Braves are the closest thing to stopping them. And I don't think the Braves are that talented. Yeah, I think they're still young. I think they're too young to really challenge them for that spot. But hey, you never know. Anything is possible. So with that, that is our power rankings for the Logan Blackman Show. Top five, Dodgers, Yankees, Astros, Braves, and Rays. Top five worst going from 26 down. Pirates, Mariners, Giants, Tigers, and Orioles. So that is our power rankings. We're going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. I've talked for an hour and 43 minutes straight. So we're going to come back, talk about some college football, and then wrap up today's show in a little bit. I'll see you in a little bit. Hello, everybody. and Welcome back to the Logan Blackman Show. It's a beautiful day here in Urbandale, Iowa. Right now it's 2.50 in the afternoon. I hope if you're listening to the show, you're listening to us outside and enjoying the weather on this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. If this is Tuesday or Wednesday, I hope you're inside listening to it because 
it finna be raining outside when you if you listen to this on tuesday or wednesday i don't know if you're bored on tuesday need something to do just listen to the logan blackman show while it's raining if you work outside just listen to the show and i hope you enjoy it and we just spent the last hour and 43 minutes talking about major league baseball and giving a power rankings and all that stuff and since you know i have never been one to uh what do you want to call it over explain things or ramble i mean, if that's what you want to call it i've never done that in my entire life never been bad at that i've always i've always gotten straight to the point every single time so that it, it just took longer than expected but for this section i wanted to go through the top 25 the ap top 25 and say yay or nay for if this team is going to be at that ranking then we'll talk about if we think they're gonna be higher or lower than the season before or this season prior to last season starting off at number one the lsu tigers uh nay because they're not gonna be number one this year you wouldn't expect 14 players from their national championship winning side went to the nfl that's insane you lost joe burrow heisman trophy winning quarterback you lost clyde edwards alaire first running back taken in the draft justin jefferson first round wide receiver you lost, I think, three offensive linemen. You lost Kalevon Chison, your edge rusher. You lost a lot of people, even people that I haven't even mentioned. Thaddeus Moss got un- went undrafted but got signed. Every single player that made the leap to the NFL last season is on a roster now. That's how insane this team was. Now you're going into a season with Miles Brennan as a starting quarterback, hasn't played a lot of snaps in college, new running back, but you still got the likes of Jamar Chase, the best receiver in college football, and Stingley, the best cornerback in college football. We'll see, though, how you replace all those other pieces, like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, getting another receiver opposite of Jamar Chase. Let's just see how that do- how that goes for you this season. I expect you guys to finish lower. I think you can still get in the top 15, maybe top 10, because there's a lot of good teams in the SEC, like all of Alabama, Florida, Georgia. Tennessee is going to be vastly improved this season. I think you guys can still be up there. I can see a 10 and 2, uh, 9 and 3 season for you guys in your future. But yeah, not number one. Number two, Clemson. Yay. And I'm saying yay because not, I think they could finish number one at the end of the season. They may have lost Justin Ross, but Clemson has had a history, or in the past few seasons, has had some of their best players get hurt and not really affect the grand scheme of the team. Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in college football. You got one of the best running backs in Travis Etienne. Your defense is returning a lot of people from last year. They're still going to be very, very talented, even though without Justin Ross, which is a huge blow, they're still going to be number two or number one in the nation. Why? There's two reasons. One, because they're returning a lot of very good people, the people we already mentioned. And number two, the ACC sucks. There's no teams that are going to stop Clemson in this season. Even in their non-conference games, they're not hard. Clemson will be undefeated. Will they be, num- will they be number one at the end of the season? I don't know. I could see them being number one going into the college football playoff. Number one, the whole, like, ending the season, that could be something different. Number three, Ohio State. Yay. I think they could be in the top three. I think they can easily be in the top four. I think they will be in the college football playoff. They may have lost a lot of people, lost their two starting corners, Damon Arnett and Jeff Akuda, which are huge losses to the program, but they're still bringing, they're still bringing back players. Wade's going to come in, slot right in as the number one corner there. Still got Justin Fields there. I think Olavi's still there. 
You may have lost J.K. Dobbins, which is a huge blow, but it's Ohio State. They're still going to be up there. Justin Fields will carry this team if he has to. I don't think he'll need to, but if he has to, I think he will. Because he's that talented. He's easily the second-best quarterback in college football. They will be up there at number three again. Georgia at number four. Um, Nay. I think they're going to be a little lower than number four this year. They lost Jake Fromm. They lost DeAndre Swift. They lost some players on defense. Though their defense is going to be still awesome, because that's what Kirby Smart has always had a good defense while coaching Georgia. But it'll be interesting to see how Jamie Newman comes in and if he's a better version of Jake Fromm. He had very good success statistically while at Wake Forest. Will he be able to handle the pressure of the SEC I think that the presence of JT Daniels behind him will elevate his game, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how he does transitioning to Georgia. It's kind of like Russell Wilson going from uh, NC State to Wisconsin. It's a bigger jump. It's a better conference going from the ACC to the Big Ten or SEC. But do you think he can do it? Yeah, I think he can do it. Will Georgia be number four in the nation? I think they'll be a little lower. I think they'll still be in the top ten, but I think four is a little too high i think there's some teams that are below them that are going to be better than the georgia bulldogs number five the oregon ducks nay uh they still got a very talented team don't get me wrong i think a top 10 is a possibility if not top 15 but oregon being as high as number five this year i don't know how that's going to happen i don't know their starting quarterback is going to be going into the season they got a very talented running back penny sewell's coming back as one of the best offensive prospects in the entire draft. Might be the number one overall prospect in the draft. Their defense, they got some very talented pieces on defense as well. The thing is, why they could come back to number five is because their side of the Pac-12, the Pac-12 North, is very weak. Every single team in the Pac-12 North, if my memory serves me right, lost their starting quarterback from the season before. Oregon State... Okay, maybe not Cal. I'm not 100% sure on Cal. But Oregon State lost theirs. Washington lost theirs. Washington State lost theirs. And Stanford lost theirs. Three of them went to the draft. One of them transferred to Mississippi State. Oregon lost their quarterback as well. And out of all the teams in the Pac-12 North, they are still easily the best team. So they will be the Pac-12 North champions again this year. But the Pac-12 South, I don't know if that team will beat them or not. Oregon's still very talented. Don't get me wrong. I think five just might be a little too high for the Ducks. If Now, okay, maybe I can see them coming in like seventh or something, but five might be a little too high for them. But that's not saying anything about Pac-12 North is extremely easy. Their second best team in the conference was Oregon State, who finished five and seven. So I don't think they're going to be struggling with anybody in the Pac-12 North this season especially looking at their schedule uh they play ohio state second game of the year play north dakota state first game of the year those are two tests for the oregon ducks outside of the conference you can look at that and go north dakota state's fcs sick their quarterback is a top three quarterback in next year's draft class they will be pushing oregon if you are one of those people that just wants to completely ignore the fcs go on ahead and watch North Dakota State beat the Oregon Ducks. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but don't be surprised if it does happen. Ohio State, very tough game there. But outside of their non-conference, their inter-conference games, like even if they're transitioning to the Pac-12 South, 
they're playing USC. And Arizona State might push them as well. But that 9-3, and three, I think, is what Oregon will finish this year. Maybe 8-4. and four. I'm not saying they're losing. I'm not saying one of those lost to North Coast State. But they always lose some random game in the season. Like, they lost to Arizona State when they really shouldn't have. So they could really lose one of these random games. Like, the Arizona or something. Or Cal. Like, they're going to lose one random game. They're going to lose to Ohio State. So, we'll, we'll see how good this team will be next year. Losing Justin Herbert's big, though. Number six, Florida. Yay. They will be up there. Kyle Trask, one of the best quarterbacks in college football, was a backup in college or in high school to Derek King and is listed on many, many lists to be better than the Miami Hurricanes quarterback. That is insane. Florida is returning a lot of people. They lost C.J. Henderson in the draft, but they're returning a ton of people off a very good defense and a very talented offense that had struggles at times last year but they are going to be up there with the best teams in the country and i think they'll finish either at six or above six this year number seven oklahoma yay they're they're the cream of the crop in the big 12 they just are spencer rattler is apparently one of the most is the talent most talented quarterback lincoln riley's ever had at oklahoma so we'll see about that uh defensively they lost Kenneth Murray. That's a huge loss for the Oklahoma Sooners. Will they be a threat in the college football playoff? No, they never will be because they're deep. They cannot build defenses at Oklahoma. They might be able to prove me wrong this year, but in years gone by, every year they've gone to the playoff, they've gotten absolutely smacked by the team who was ranked number one. Other than the year they had Baker Mayfield, they've gotten smacked around. And that could be the same thing here. It'll be interesting to see how they build their defense, though. Number eight, Alabama. Yay. Uh, I think that's as low as they get is eight. I think they go actually, no, nay. I think they could go higher than eight. They'll definitely be higher than eight. They are returning pretty much everybody. Like when they went, when the draft was, when you had to come up to say you were going to the draft, 75% or around that of Alabama's juniors came back. Alex Leatherwood, Dylan Moses came back. Najee Harris came back. And now they're going in with either Matt Jones or Bryce Young. I'm fully expecting Bryce Young to win the starting job. Uh, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell are going to be back. Like, that's how good Alabama's receiving core was. Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs were both top 15 picks in the draft. Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith are going to do the exact same thing. Those two are insane. So you have back-to-back years where four wide receivers get drafted for the top 15. That is insane. Their offensive line is pretty much the exact same from the season before. Their quarterback situation is the only one that's changed, and Bryce Young is, as some people say, as talented, or if not more talented, Kyler Murray coming out of high school. Mac Jones didn't anything to, didn't do anything to lose the job, but ain't really say anything that said, should nail him down as a starter going into this season. So I think he should be on edge, and I think Bryce Young takes it from him. Number nine, Penn State. Yay. I think they'll finish around this spot, maybe a little bit higher. Uh, Micah Parsons, one of the best linebackers, one of the best overall prospects in next year's draft. See how Sean Clifford does going into the season. Had some spurts of very nice play for the Penn State quarterback, but we'll have to see how he does this year. And Penn State, I think they should be right up there again. Number 10, Minnesota. Nay, uh, it's hard to repeat an 11-2 season. 
because you did that coming out of nowhere. No one expected Minnesota to finish 11-2. and two. There was a lot of people that thought they would be much improved from the season before, but not 11-2. and two. That's hard to repeat. Number 10 for Minnesota, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. Now, their schedule is not the hardest schedule in the world. Their non-conference is very, very easy, much like it was last year. And their hardest team they played this year is Wisconsin. They don't play Penn State. They don't play Ohio State. They don't play Michigan. They don't play any of the top dogs in the Big Ten. So, realistically, they could finish around 11-2 and two or around that, but I think they're going to finish a tad bit lower. I think Tanner Morgan and Bateman will have a great connection again this year, but I think 11-2 and two is a very lofty goal to repeat what they did last year. Number 11, Wisconsin. Yay. I think they'll be right up there again. They'll win the Big Ten West. Pretty unchallenged, I should say. And they'll be right up there with the best teams in the nation. I think they'll get smacked by Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. But I think they can finish around 10-4. and four. I think they'll be better than 10-4. and four. I think they'll be much better than that. I think that's just a product of them losing their last two games of the season. I think they can be up there. I think... 11 and 2. I think them and Minnesota could switch records. I think Minnesota could finish 10 and 4. I think Wisconsin could finish 11 and 2. And Wisconsin, they just got a lot of people. They lost Jonathan Taylor, which is a really huge loss to their offense. But if you know anything about Wisconsin football, they crap out running backs. PJ Hill, Monte Ball, Melvin Gordon, James White, Jonathan Taylor this year. They crap out running backs. So they'll be fine in that regard. Number 12, Notre Dame. Uh, yay. I think they'll be right up there. Uh, Notre Dame is a talented team. They have, they're a non-conference team, so they can make their own schedule. So what do we do with that? Make it kind of tough? Yeah, it's a pretty difficult schedule. USC at USC. They play Clemson. They're going to play an improved Duke team. They play Wisconsin. They play at Navy, which has been postponed. I believe that's coming back to uh annapolis it's not gonna be in ireland anymore it just sags i like watching over there i think notre dame will be right up there i think they can finish in the top 15 i think i don't know maybe they'll finish 11 and 2 again i think they'll be a little worse than that maybe like 9 and 3 but they'll be around number 12 number 13 baylor big nay they lost their starting co- they lost their coach they yeah that's pretty that's all i really need to say they're not going to be the same team they were last year where they came up and shocked everybody they were a huge shock to everybody in the big 12 for the most part some people might have seen it coming uh but i sure did not see it coming so i don't know we'll we'll see how they can do we'll see how they do going into this season losing matt rule is a big blow to their team and losing denzel mims their number one wide receiver from the season before is another huge loss to their team. Head coach and Denzel Mims. That is a huge loss to this roster. I don't think they're going to finish 13. I don't think they finish 11 and three. I don't think they finish 13. Auburn. Uh, yay. I think they'll be improved off the season before they finished nine and four. I think Bo Nix's development is, is, is crucial to their success and nine and four. I think they can easily finish around that this year. Iowa, nay. There's a lot of stuff going around the Iowa football program right now. We'll talk about that more on Wednesday. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Again, Wednesday. Wait for it. 
uh, but they lost starting quarterback Spencer P- uh, Nate, Nate Stanley going in with Spencer Peters as the starter. Lost Tristan Wirfs, the best offensive tackle in the Big Ten, best offensive lineman in the Big Ten. Michael Ojemudia lost him. Geno Stone lost him. Lost a lot of good people. AJ Epineza, it's a lot of talent. They play Penn State and Ohio State on the road back to back weeks. I think eight and four, maybe seven and five are realistic op- record wise for Iowa. I think 15 is a little high for Iowa, though. Utah at 16, they faltered a lot at the end of the season. But overall, I think, nay. I think they'll be down a little bit this year. Uh, they'll still be good. They'll still be a good team. So they're always a very, they're very talented. Utah is always a talented football team. They're always up there with one of the best teams in the Pac-12. They were in the top 10 for a lot of the season. But going into this season, they lost their starting quarterback, Tyler Huntley, and their starting running back, Zach Moss, which are massive blows to this team massive blows to this team. Zach Moss rushed for 1,400 yards at 15 touchdowns last year. Tyler Huntley completed 73% of his passes, had 19 touchdowns and four picks. That's not going to be easy to replicate going into the season. I think Utah will still be a good team, but I think 16 is way too high, and 11-3 is a way better record than what I believe they're going to get this year. Memphis at 17, eh, Yay. I think they could be there. Brady White's returning. They did get a new head coach, though. So we'll see how he does there. But in the AAC, Memphis won it last year. I don't see anything that really changed my mind about them winning it. I think SMU could push them a little more. But I think it's Memphis's to lose. I think Brady White is the returning passing leader from the season before. I think the top three quarterbacks all went to the NFL or graduated. So, yeah, I think Memphis will definitely be up there. Michigan, nay. Uh, they don't know their starting quarterback is. There's three guys that are competing for the job. Um, yeah, I just don't. I think they can. They weren't really that good last year, to be honest. I, it kind of surprised me to see that they were ranked as high as they were. But they play Washington in the start of the year. Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Minnesota, Ohio State. And they don't know who their quarterback is. Quarterback's the number one thing. If you can't, if you don't know who your quarterback is, if you the, the my favorite adage of all time, you have three quarterbacks, you have none. If you have three, you have none because there should be one guy being the starting quarterback for your team. Michigan doesn't know that yet, and I don't know if any of these quarterbacks they have are that good because they should have replaced Shea Patterson last year. Shea Patterson had a terrible year last year, terrible. There's many times he should have been benched, but that tells me more about the backups than Shea Patterson because why couldn't none of those guys replace him? So I don't know. I think nay for Michigan. 19 Appalachian State, yay. They're the only good team in the Sun Belt. I mean, Georgia Southern, maybe. But maybe not in the top 25, but they'll beat one loss the entire season probably. This is what my prediction is. Navy at number 20, nay. They lost Malcolm Perry. Uh, don't know their starting quarterback is going to be. There was a couple years where they were really bad, and until Malcolm Perry came in there, they were struggling. I don't know who's going to replace him as their quarterback. The AAC is not the most insane conference ever, but with Memphis and SMU coming back and supposed to be as be very good again, it's going to be hard for Navy to finish 11-2 and again. Cincinnati, 
Um, we'll say nay. Maybe. I need to refresh my memory on what Cincinnati's roster is looking like because I don't really remember to be 100% honest with you. Uh, they are returning starting quarterback Desmond Ritter. 2,100 yards, 18 touchdowns, 9 picks from the season before. Michael Warren starting running back for season 4. 1,200 yards rushing is gone. So that's a big blow for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Desmond Ritter was the second leading rusher on the team last year with 650 yards. Jared Dokes, the other running back, is coming back. 526 yards for him. I'm trying to decide if I want to, if I think they deserve to be up there again. They play Nebraska, Memphis, Houston, UCF. Uh, I don't think I don't know if they'll be as high. I think they'll be somewhere as good as they were last year. But we'll say yay. We'll say yay for. The Cincinnati Bearcats. Air Force, I think yay. Maybe the record would be a little worse, but Air Force could be around 22. The Mountain West is not incredibly strong this year. Boise State is always going to be up there, but Utah State's going to be worse. They lost Jordan Love there. Air Force has something that no one else can defend in the Mountain West. Finished 11-2. and I think they could definitely finish somewhere around eh, probably nine wins this year. I think 11 is a little much, but nine wins is around there. Maybe, no, we'll go nay. We'll go nay. Boise State, yay. They'll be back. They'll be better. Their starting quarterback is a true freshman who struggled at times. If he can improve, Boise State will improve. So I think Boise State will be fine. UCF, oh, geez, nay. I think they'll be better than what they were the season before. Uh, they may have lost Dylan Gabriel, or, uh, Gabriel Davis. Actually, no, we'll go, we'll go yay. They'll be around 24. They'll be around 10 and 3. They'll probably be around the exact same record. I think Dylan Gabriel in the second season as a starting quarterback for UCF. Now, I think Mackenzie Milton is coming back, which will be a nice competition, but I think UCF will be around the same. And then number 25, Texas, nay. I think they'll be better. I don't think Texas finishes worse than 8-5. and five. I think they're in the top 15 this season. Yeah, I just think Texas is going to be better than what they were the season before. And out of the others receiving votes in college football, that should be mentioned. In the top 25, I think Texas A&M could be mentioned up there. Um, I think USC will definitely be up in the top 25. Arizona State should be up in the top 25 this season. SMU, Tennessee will be mentioned up there. And even North Coast State was receiving votes for the FBS top 25. But I think USC, um, Arizona State, Texas A&M, Tennessee will all be mentioned around the top 25 this year and teams that didn't receive votes that i think should receive votes or should be in the top 25 i think north carolina they're gonna be vastly improved this season they went seven and six last year with a true freshman and a young team everybody's returning they will be up there again duke maybe this is my biggest question mark because they do have a new quarterback but how good of a team will they have going into the season iowa state they'll be in the top 25 no doubts about that brock purdy one of the best quarterbacks in college football They'll be back to their normal stuff. A lot of people are returning for Iowa State this season. Nebraska, sadly, there's no way they can finish as bad as they were last year. They have to show improvement at some point. And maybe they could. This is more of a dig than anything. You can't be bad for this long, can you, Nebraska? Can you? Uh, UCLA could be up there as well with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. They did lose their starting running back which is going to be big. USC, UCLA did finish pretty high in the Pac-12 South last year, 
after finishing 4-8, and eight, they did finish third in the Pac-12 South. So, improvements on this year, I think that's the only way they can go. Because they showed a lot of talent towards the end of the season. They just need that to keep going at the beginning of the year. And then Mississippi State, I think it'd be up there as well. KJ Costello is a better quarterback than what they've had. Mike Leach, he'll fit Mike Leach's style of offense. We'll just see if they how fast Mike Leach can develop his offense into his first year as the head coach without there being big offseason workout programs. Because that's going to be huge. How can he get his offense the way he wants it in this first year? So with that being said, that's it for the Logan Blackman Show for this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, June 8th. Let's end it here. I will see you guys on Wednesday. Enjoy the rest of your day, and peace.